it's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot wheels, dollies, and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the cry room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, because I'm all set for. It's all right, because I'm all set for. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass. My name is Scott Williams. My co-host is Jeff Trailer. Hey. Hey, Scott. How's it going, bud? Good. Yeah? Yeah. What? Uh, what's good about it? Uh, well, it's Lent. Yeah? Which, like, some people see as not good, but I think it's good. Well. So, trying to be more somber, more. Yeah. Should we just... We okay. are, we're Lenten people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. May I ask you how your week has been? My, <laughs> there <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah, it's going for a minute. That's good. Uh, Father Jonathan Meyer, how are you today? I am fantastic. Yeah, very good. Excited to be uh, with all of you and get ready for the great season of Lent. Yeah, is it one of your favorites? It is one of my favorites. Are you going to do another one of those like seventeen thousand hours of confession <laughs> on my head? We do hear a lot of confessions here in Dearborn County. Are you doing a, we, another big stretch yeah, we do of two, them? Two times a month, we have 12 hours of confession in a day. That's cool. So that could, yeah. And we have three of those during Lent this year. So thanks be to God. Absolutely. Uh, Jeff and I were at the Ars Cafe not too long ago. I heard that you were there and I was not. It made me very sad that we missed each other. But um, thank you for coming to one of the only Catholic coffee shops, one of, there are others. Do you know how uh, many there are? are there, how many are there, like, Catholic coffee shops in the United States? Well, there was one that was in the Criterion, I believe, a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago. Oh, really? Um, I don't know. It's not, like, run by a parish, but I think it's run by uh, some Catholics. I don't know if they would consider themselves to be a Catholic coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah. Others people doing some great things, so. All right. Well, speaking of great things, how about a two-minute drill? A lot of pressure. Oh yeah, the great lead-in. A lot of pressure. Uh, all right, I've got my. I got to get to my my notes. I did my notes on my phone this time. Phone notes. Um. All right. It is. It is. It is. It is the first first Sunday in Lent. Uh, no, but it, it is the first Sunday in Lent. We enter into the Lenten season. We are Lenten people. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um. Here, coming off Ash Wednesday, to the massive, massive crowds of people getting their heads crossed. Um, but in, uh, we start off with a reading from Genesis chapter nine, eight to fifteen. Our first reading, pretty pretty early in Gen- early in the Bible, early in Genesis here. But it's after the flood, and uh, God and Noah they're talking. They come up with this. They're like, "All right, we're going to make this serious covenant, right?" Uh, Basically, God's saying, all right, no more waterworks. I'm not going to do this again, Mm -hmm. right? But instead, he's going to send us a rainbow. Nice flashy reminder of hope and renewal. Yeah, forgotten fact, rainbows. Early on in the Bible, discussed. Beautiful Christian Catholic symbol. Yes, wonderful. Um, So he offers us this 
rainbow as an, uh, a sign of hope and renewal and a fresh start despite the the fiasco of the flood. He's saying, all right, we're going to start fresh. We're going to start new. We're going to do this again, and I'll make mm-hmm. a promise to you and your people. Um, our responsorial psalm this week, your ways, O Lord, are love and truth to those who keep your covenant. Uh, Where does that fit in? I the... think we, we got a mumbler. mumbler. I think we got a mumbler here. When you add <laughs> a couple that's commas. That's pretty tough because this past Sunday was out of this world. Uh, so it's two, that's two mumblers like in a row just looking for streakers. <laughs> what is this? A Super Bowl game? Super Bowl game. I was, I was, I was, I was, I don't think you're allowed to say Super Bowl. There. Oh, sorry. Is this the big game? Yeah, the big game. More like Super Mass. Yeah, Super. What? <laughs> uh, all right. Our second reading then comes from uh, first, uh, 1 Peter, right? Uh, 3 18 to 22. So Peter dives into Jesus's epic journey, journey from death to resurrection, right? He's just right in here and like, all right, we know about this Jesus. He died, he was resurrected, he, and he's now highlighting the baptism, making that connection to Noah's Ark and uh, how we can now save believers from their spiritual drowning, if you will. I um, will. <laughs> you will? Yeah. Perfect. Uh, and bring them triumphantly through the storm to transformation and victory. So he's making this this reference to, all right, just like with Noah, we wiped things clean. We came back anew. This is what Jesus has provided for us in his death and resurrection, the ability to baptize, wipe things clean, come back, fret, refresh, and fresh and so clean, clean. There's a, there it is. Yeah. And then our gospel reading. This is a big one this week. Woo. Oh, my. Hope I can handle it. I believe it's in not. you. A big one, people. It is, uh, let's see, four, five sentences. Mark chapter 1, 12 to 15. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert, and he remained in the desert for 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. All right. Game on. Yeah. Uh, Father, did Jeff get anything wrong? No, he did a great job. Thank you. Good job. Bob. I appreciate that. Were you listening? or? I was listening. What are, you, uh, what are you preaching on this weekend, Father? Well, I'd like to possibly, I've got, two, I've got two routes that I'm going to take. I don't know which one's going to happen. Is it harder when you have... But, are the, Sorry, I'm sorry. Say that again. I have I have dumb questions that are maybe coming early, but are the are the re- the readings for Lent are the same every year? No, no. It there is. is a year A cycle that you're supposed to use if you have catechumens entering mm. the church and you're going to be doing some of the scrutinies. But there is an A, B, and C. Got it for the Sunday election. And we're in B cycle. We are currently. That's why we get Mark. B. Okay. That's where we got Mark. Thank you. Please proceed. You are very welcome. I would like to focus on the number 40. I think numbers in the Bible, people always find to be quite fascinating. And the number 40 in our culture, and even when we think about the church, is often looked at in a negative light. So if it's your 40th birthday, people normally look at that as being a bad thing. Uh, We refer to it as being over the hill. uh, Whoa, whoa. Let's, I know. It's not that over the hill. I mean, <laughs> I know. I'm 47. Well, but uh, no, you're not. 
Yeah, I am. You're not 47. There's no way. I'm 40. I was born in 1976. I'm a bicentennial baby. Oh my goodness. So, anyways, the number 40. Uh, when you, if you ask people like, "Hey, tell me about number 40 in the Bible," they're most likely going to bring up uh, the 40 years in the desert. Right? We'll talk about Jesus being in the desert for 40 years, or for 40 days, uh, and being tempted. But I think it's important for us to, to include all of them. And maybe we get a better understanding of, of what the number 40 means in the Bible. And it's not just a period of testing. So if we look at uh, just even like beginning in, in the Bible, which is what our first reading makes reference to when Noah and God are having this conversation, the rainbow, it's about the fact that, yes, the world was destroyed through 40 days and 40 nights of rain, but then also God then recreated a covenant that something new and new life and a new relationship was born out of the 40 days and 40 nights. If we look at Moses, it's interesting. Moses was 40 years old when he left Egypt to go into the desert. He was there for 40 years and came back at the age of 80 um, and then took on Pharaoh and then led the Egyptian, led the Israelites out of the desert for 40 years. Um, we could talk about there's a time that Elijah is in the desert for 40 years. Uh, if we look at the life of our Lord, he does begin 40 days in the desert. But then after that, what does he do? He preaches, he teaches, he heals, he anoints, he feeds. So this 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 period of 40 actually then brings like this, the, the full life and ministry of our Lord. And then after he dies and rises from the grave, he stays with his apostles for 40 days before going to his father's right hand. Even as an infant, it was 40 days after his birth, which is the 40th day of Christmas, which is February 2nd, which is the presentation, that Jesus is then uh, proclaimed by Simeon to be the light to the Gentiles. Um, and we see the goodness that comes out of that as the light enters into the temple. So I just think like, like when we talk about these 40 days, we was always focused on what am I doing? What am I giving up? What am I willing to take on as a suffering uh, I think with often not like the full sense be because God is doing something new and God wants a deeper relationship. And at the end of these 40 days, I really am going to be more of who I'm called to be, not just the sense that I'm doing this for 40 days because I want to go into the desert with Jesus and I want to suffer. Uh, it's the fact that like I'm doing this to become a new creation. I'm doing this to, to begin a new life. And I think it also then like, I think it gives a whole nother way to look at when you turn 40. Is this a horrible thing or is this actually just, a, is this a new opportunity for you to start over? In fact, if you're 80, then it's, it's double so. I mean, how many people when they're 80 are literally like, yeah, my life's kind of done. No, you're like, God isn't, God is not done with your life when you're 80. Like that, that's actually double the fact that you have an opportunity to begin again, begin anew. So I just want to present that as uh, when we, one thing that we do at our parish is everybody gives giving a piece of paper on Ash Wednesday to bring back on the first Sunday of Lent, where they're supposed to write down what they're doing for Lent. But then there's two columns, and one of the columns is what am I doing, and the second column is why. Like, what's the intent? So if I'm giving up chocolate, why? So that every time that I want to eat chocolate, I'm going to say a prayer. Uh, I'm reading the Bible more. Why? So that I can know more about Jesus, so I can love Him more. I'm what, whatever it is. What is the why, and then how is that why directed to you actually living 
your life more deeply in love with the Lord and your marriage or your children, or that this really is a calling to to a life of abundance uh, in a beautiful way. So that's that, that's one slant I want to take. Okay, that's one. The direction. other side would be just going going down the realm of the angels. Uh, our gospel passage speaks about uh, two types of angels. Uh, it speaks about Jesus being tempted in the desert for forty days by Satan, who is a fallen angel, but that he also is being ministered to by angels, and that just that spiritual warfare that goes on in our lives. And Saint John Vianney, patron saint of parish priests, uh, when he renovated the church in ours, one of the things he did is he added an entire side chapel devoted to the angels because he said that he wanted his people to constantly recognize the presence of the angels in their life and that they're never alone. And clearly, like many of us are going to enter into fasting and prayer and mm-hmm. almsgiving, and we're going to just take on another level, which means that Satan's going to try to kick our butts. But we need to then realize who is then with us at our side at all the time, whether it be our guardian angels, whether it be St. Michael, whether it be the angelic realm. And so I think enlightening people on the invisible reality of angels, people always find that to be tremendously helpful and beneficial and might be a great way to start the Lent season. So those are two roads. I don't know. It's only it's only Monday. We're recording this on Monday, by the way. <laughs> Behind the veil. So I have a lot more prayer to do. Was there was there talk of angels in the scriptures that I missed? The gospel. The gospel. In the gospel Got passage. It. Never mind. He went out thanks for, thanks for, for 40 days where he was tempted by Satan. And then the end of the very short gospel passage says the that angels, angels came and ministered to him. So we they have at the same time, the demonic, which is fallen angels. And then we have angels who are ministering to Jesus. So we, I recently, I would say we recently, Scott and I have been part of these conversations, but I've been talk like I felt this need to talk more. It's going to sound weird, more about the devil, but like mm-hmm. in the world of like, I think we don't, we don't speak out loud enough when we recognize or when we are being challenged by the devil, when the, when, when the devil's at work and, and causing problems in our lives and, and interrupting things and trying to pull us away. And like, um, so, but I think it's interesting because like, I, like, it is something I've been very become, I've known of, I've become much more conscious of in my, like, as I've, as I've gotten older, but really in the last decade or so, it's something that continually becomes a thing where I, I like reignite a devotion to St. Michael. And I focus in on this idea that like the devil's at work in our world and is trying to attack us and destroy things that are good. And mm-hmm. especially in our church and in our faith. And so we must know that and we must talk about that and we must like ask for help and assistance against it. But I think like, I guess in my mind, I never really think of like in these passages, the angel, I think of the saints and I think of Jesus and, and, and praying to God and Mary and like asking for the help. But again, I guess I think of St. Michael, the archangel, but I don't think of angels as a whole. And so that's not been, that's not been a big poke. I say this because I think it's interesting that that like in this very simple passage in that one like sentence, we see this reference to both, but like that's who Christ leans on yeah. when he needs that help. Right. Like not. And so the same thing's going to happen in his agony in the garden is that angels will come and minister to him. So and how there's do- actually some beautiful artwork of, 
of angels being present in the agony in the garden. Like they're there, like wrapping their arms around him as he's sweating drops of blood, thinking of our sins. And it's a, it's a powerful, I heard a great talk on angels. One time they said, we talk about unemployment all the time in America and an unemployed workforce. And the presenter said that the greatest unemployment in the world is in guardian angels because no one talks to them or asks them to do things. And one of the greatest things you can do is employ your guardian angel to, to be a part of your life and to assist you and to work for you. And they want, they're there, they want to do that, but they're often not invited in. How do you cultivate that relationship? I think it's really, you know, it's interesting. I, I, for me, uh, it was, it was actually a talk really in my priesthood. I had never, I never even knew the guardian angel prayer. Uh, I, I was just not part of my, my family tradition or custom. And this priest was saying like, you should say the guardian angel prayer every day. And I was like, uh, what prayer? And, uh, I remember asking somebody and they like, you know, they said like a little rhyme, like angel of God, my guardian dear to God love. And I was just like, oh, never heard that before. And, uh, so I just memorized that prayer and just made it a part of just my devotions and my prayers. But when we theologically begin to understand the angels a little bit more, angelology, St. Thomas Aquinas, it helps us like, to, at moments of either stress or frustration, or but we can, we can actually, I can pray to my own guardian angels. I can actually pray to your two guardian angels. I can ask my guardian angel to pray for the two of you. So I think it's just like awareness. Awareness is one of those words that I think is a game changer in anybody's life. Like how do we help ourselves to be aware of the presence of God, but how do we also make ourselves aware of angels that are here to intercede and watch over us? I've given a, a homily multiple times in my priesthood on the nine choirs of angels and their different functions and the way that they uh, work to keep balance and order in the world and also in worship and praise of God. So even just studying the angels, I think just that makes you more aware of them, which then allows you to be in a relationship with them. It's just like, if you don't know somebody is in the room with you, yeah. uh, or if you don't know something about them, you can't have much of a relationship. But the more that you get to know that person, the more you actually then talk to them, have a relationship with them. So at like a base level, obviously like nine choirs of angels is a different conversation, but at a base level, if I'm going to pray to the angels to minister, like I should, I should focus in on guardian angels. Like that's who's there. Guardian angels are who are engaging in spiritual warfare for us. Um, you could, I mean, you could call upon other choirs of angels, but the fact that God gave me an angel, yeah. gave you an angel and that angel wants to help you and is able to help you, uh, I think is a powerful idea you, and for the, like here, 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 we have two fathers, right? So I'm able to pray to the guardian angels of my parish and you as fathers can also pray to the guardian angels of your children, of your wife and, uh, just, so angel of God, my guardian dear, God love commissioning here every day. You know, guardian angel, my guardian, your guardian angel of my child, Dominic. I ask of you to protect and watch over my son today. That's, yeah, I like this. This is really good practical advice. Yeah. So, and then the same for other people. Like you were saying, like, I can like, at, like, if I'm concerned about somebody, I see somebody who I want to pray for a way I can do that is to ask their guardian angel. Correct. I can actually say, like, you know, I can say, dear God, uh, thank you for guardian angels. And I ask right now that the guardian angel of Scott, that he intercede from Scott right now, that 
give Scott courage and wisdom to be a good father, to work well uh, at Catholic Concepts and at Sock Religious so that he can continue to further the mission of that company, but also provide for his family. So please pray for him. Amen. Amen. That was nice. Uh, I know My, this all sounds like super simple, but this is actually really helpful. Like sometimes the most simple advice is like the yeah, most helpful. It, it's like so out of the ordinary. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, right. We don't, I I mean, this is one of the things I talk about Catholicism all the time is that like, it'd be so much easier for us to like, just accept Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and savior and then just move on. But like yeah. we have like scapulars and miraculous medals and, and, and spiritual warfare and uh, novenas and uh, mass intentions and uh, you know, indulgences and yeah. uh, liturgical feast days. And like we have to, burn palm branches and turn them into ashes like it there are there is a lot when it comes about being catholic that can be uh yeah i remember my my grandmother when i was young young and this is probably my first experience with guardian angels but she wore a pin on her lapel every day and that was like her reminder of guardian angels but i feel like i don't see that anymore like i like I don't know of uh, a medal that somebody wears around their neck to remind them of their guardian angel or, you know, we mm. see, we see, we go to churches and we see angels, but I, I don't associate them with my guardian angel in any, any capacity. I you feel should. like there, I should, guardian, you're right. I don't think I'm alone. Socks? That's an interesting question. We, we, we tried one time, but we struggled with like what imagery universally represents guardian angels like we really had a hard time with like coming up with this we did uh and, so we, we do yeah. our, our vacation bible school at our parish every year we make up because we don't ever want to buy the kit because it costs money but second of all they're also not catholic or like authentically some of them you like you try to like look at them they're, they're weird um i say that and then i'm gonna tell you what our vacation bible schools i've been yeah but anyways we uh we've done the vacation bible schools where like every day is a different mystery in the rosary so like five day vacation bible school but we've also done, we did one on, on the angels and where our kids every single day were, be, were being taught um, about, you know, the angel Gabriel. And they spent that day at Nazareth with Mary and we're just taking them through different <laughs> biblical understandings of the angels. Uh, I think it's just like so, so much of it is just about awareness. Um, but anyways, all the kids had little angel necklaces that they received at the end. Now you mentioned about pendants and pins. Yeah. All of our kids left with uh, with guardian angel medals at the end of that. I keep on thinking to myself, like, how would I, how would I explain to my five-year-old son, Dominic, that he has a guardian angel? But I also am saying that for myself too, because I want to yeah. understand it. Like yeah. how, how would you explain yeah, it to a five-year-old? He'd probably pick it up. He'd probably be like, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're well, like, Well, no, I but... <laughs> very, I mean, there isn't a moment in our Lord's life that an angel wasn't, so at, at, at his, his conception, angels were there. At his birth, angels were there. When he began his public ministry, angels ministered to him then. Right. Uh, when he was in the agony of the garden, angels were there. At the resurrection, angels were there. At the ascension, angels were there. So when we think about just the, the life and mission of our Lord, it's saturated in angels. And so you're a baptized Christian. So guess who's surrounding you? And in angels. fact, God loves you so much that he gave you your own angel. So I think just even just like using images of all of those moments in our Lord's life yeah. and our Lord always had angels with him. And so do you. And so when you're alone, when you think that nobody's with you, I want you to know that like your angel is with you. Can I have a, 
um, a, a moment of truth, a, a, yeah, a yeah. raw moment. Yeah, bring it. Admit, I, I re- very much in my life have been really bad at uh, accidentally writing angles when I mean angels. <laughs> and so one time somebody sent me uh, a stick figure drawing they made that said guardian angles. <laughs> and it was <laughs> like 45 degrees, 90 degrees. Like, yeah. Anyway, that's just a little vulnerable moment yeah, there that, with y'all. That's not where I thought you were going when you were talking about a. I know. I figured wrong. it not, but I wanted to share that. And yeah. also, like, I mean that, like, way too far into my adulthood. I continued to make that. I probably still would make the mistake if I was yeah. typing it. So There's anyway. lots of words I don't know how to spell. Yeah. Anyway. Like, definitely. Can't do it. Really? Yeah. I always spelled defiantly. Well, you are oppositional defiant by nature. Yes, so. yes, yes. Um, well, are you ready to... I don't have a transition. that You want to go to... Yeah, I, I think I made that transition mm-hmm. plenty good on my yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. Did you have anything else to share, Father, before I came in? With, also, go with, with Route 2. The first one didn't resonate as much as the angels. Yeah. Okay. But but then again, you know your congregation. They may hear you talk about angels all the time. No, the first one was a real snooze fest. The 40? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. More like counting 40 sheep. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. I'm kidding. Oh. All right. The first uh, one was good, too. Okay, I got all kinds of stuff that I've written down here, Father, that I want to – first off, uh, I was sharing before the podcast with you, but I, I saw a really awesome video that uh, NFCYM, the National Federation for Catholic Youth Ministry, put out for their um, – for NCYC, and it had – they quoted you in it. You were featured because you're awesome, and your commitment to the youth is amazing, and they they obviously recognize that. They didn't put, like, your name on there, who you were. You were just, like, priests saying awesome things. Um but and look, he dances too. Yeah, uh, actually, yes, they did What's show him dancing also. Yeah, um, up in the crowd with his uh, with his youth. But he, uh, you, you said something that I thought was really profound. That again, like obvious things that we we probably know. But you said you know, most youth. Um, in, are we muted? I don't think so. No, it says mute. Up. I'm good. Okay. Um, it's you said most youth. Um, may only encounter four or five young people on a semi-regular basis who like are passionate and alive for their faith. Like they are like day to day in their parishes and their schools, there may only, but like a really cool thing about a youth event like NCYC is they're surrounded by this. They know that the church is alive. It's, it's actively alive right there with them and and around them. And it's a a thing for them to bring back. And I don't, I don't really have a question around that. I just want to hear more about, like, you said it was such passion in this video, but it's also, like, a really important thing. And it's, like, somebody raising kids who, like, I try to keep my kids as, those, like, some of those four or five, right, like, engaged in their faith and, yeah. and loving yeah. what they're doing. Um, so the, yeah. the, the, the adage is, you know, belonging precedes believing. Where young people belong, that they're, they're going to assume those beliefs. So if I belong to... Um, a gaming group at school, if I belong to a sports team at school, if I belong to a band or music group, I'm going to, I'm going to begin to believe what those people believe because I belong to them. And this is the struggle when actually when, you know, when young people, teenagers no longer feel like they belong at home and they begin to break off from home, they begin to believe what their friends believe. And so it's really important for us to be surrounding to be creating relationships and a sense of belonging for our young people. And that's why I believe that these large group events, it's important, of course, for us to have things locally at the parishes, but also going to these large group events where they have this sense of belonging to something much bigger 
than just their parish or much bigger than um, you know their small group or their Bible study helps them to realize that what I believe is is something that is transcendent. It's bigger than myself. Yeah. Uh, it's bigger than just my youth group. And I think that helps them in the battle to realize that they're not alone. Yeah. Well, I thought that was really awesome. Thank you. And that was even better. Cool. I'm going to, I'm going to remember that very good. That's good parenting advice. Um, second, this last, uh, Friday evening, I ran into your roommate, father Hollowell. Um, I was asking him how, uh, how he was handling, uh, living with you and how intense that can be. And, what that's like. And he's, his comment was that you had been gone for a week and he goes, I had to cover everything for a week and it was actually super relaxing. <laughs> and I that's just awesome. thought it would be, I know he would say the same to you and give you a hard time about it, but he was like, he said it was, it was actually, it was a nice little, a nice little break, <laughs> but he said, I'm excited that he's coming home though, that he's going to be home. So I thought I would share that with you. It was really it's nice. It's amazing. I mean, it's like, I'm so blessed to, yeah, for the two of us to be able to live together pray together every morning and yeah, really make a conscious, conscious decision to really, really live as brothers. It's been powerful. He said almost the identical thing. He talked about like how his move down there and being with you in that community and that congregation has just been overwhelming blessings and just, and so wonderful for him. And so, yeah. Anyway, thanks for God. Yeah. It was, we, I feel like we talk about father Hollowell on here a lot, but I hadn't seen him in a long time. It was really nice to run into him. Um, all right. Ash Wednesday, as you said, we're recording this on Monday. Ash Wednesday is coming up this Wednesday. Um, what's what's your Ash style, Father? Um, this is like a you know a fun thing that people talk about. Uh, I put a lot of holy water in, so I'm kind of like a cement guy mm. because um, the ash mixed with the water. I a want stucco. to make a mark that's going to last all day. Nice. Um, and with teenagers, it might cause acne. So I'm ready for it. <laughs> I got to tell you, one of my experiences like of giving ashes that like like when I've, when I've done that and been in done distribution of ashes before a, a really hard thing has been like young people with a lot of acne and like, it can kind of be gross and like, it, like a, like it feel, it makes me feel cringy right now. Just thinking about it in the past. Yeah. I mean, worked at a high school and yeah. stuff. So you just love those people all the more. Yes. I love the fact that, you know, in the 1980s, you had to ask girls, I call it the garage door effect. And so I actually <laughs> tell people to, to put their hand up and do, to please make sure that their and, forehead is available. And now it's the and guys. And now that's, that's never the case with a woman, but it's the case with 90% of all teenage boys. <laughs> yeah. They got so their hair is like completely, like they can't even see. Like got that kid, broccoli. Like, what did I coach with? They all do this, 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 uh, they, they have a, a twitch now. Like they're constantly, they, they, they push it up and then they push it back down. Yeah, they just they want it to do that. Like that. Thing. Like and anyway, so yeah. they're all required to you know do the garage door flip up, flip up the lid so that we can get some ash. I love that. Um, I oh, we had the Super Bowl yesterday, and uh, it was really awesome because like on top of everything else, Hallow, the prayer app had a Super Bowl ad that was pretty cool. But I immediately thought to myself, if I could think of anyone who would try to find a way to have a Super Bowl ad it would probably be Father Meyer. And then I looked at my calendar today, and I was like, well, I'm going to ask him about this for sure. Because I'm not going to say that, like, I'm sure that this has entered your mind before, but, like, I think it's not, like, a slim chance that you've thought about it. But $7 million. You've priced it out? (laughs) $7 million was the starting price for a Super Bowl ad this year. 
Okay, yeah. so let's say you had a magic wand and you could do this. What would your Super Bowl ad be? That's great. You know, they, they had that uh, Catholics come home. They had a Super Bowl commercial uh -huh. um, a few years ago. Um, I think I would, if I had one thing to advertise. I don't know. This is going to sound crazy, but I don't know if it would. I, I, have we ever have we had that conversation about is it better to invite somebody to mass or to invite someone to adoration? Hmm. I think we've talked about well, if not with you, I think we've, we've had this conversation it, before. Yeah. Like it, it might just be the fact that I would there would be like a QR code. Like, are you looking for silence? Are you looking for peace? Are you looking for a place of refuge? Are you looking for a place where you can find meaning again in your life? And then a QR code that would take them to. Um, I don't remember the name of the, the website. There's a website that has all the, the perpetual adoration chapels in America on it. Nice. And uh, yeah, I like that. There's a high school chaplain who asked the question, should I be having all school masses at my high school where I'm giving communion to, to young people that I know for the fact haven't been to mass since the last high school mass. They don't want to be there. What, would it be better if we just had all school adoration? And so he started that. He started having all school adoration uh, for like 30 minutes and they would just bring their Bibles and read and pray. And that actually, he, he said that he found, I mean, this is not, I'm not saying this is the, the, what every high school should do, but he said that he found more, more fruit coming from that than what he was doing before. Like, yeah, if you're talking about people who are really not church, if you're talking about people who are on the fringes, like what do they really need? They need a relationship. They need that silence. And that will ultimately lead them to the intimacy and the height. Well, it goes back to what you said earlier. It was like belong, believe. I forget what the last one was, but but like the invitation to belong is huge. Yeah. And yeah. I guess I don't know on the if I was somebody that had never been to church in a long time, what would what would be my experience of adoration? Have you have you had that before? Like, well, I think the question now, that Scott, and that is would be I me. Mean, yes, there of course there would have to be. But, but same thing with like, if I've never been to mass before, what's my experience when I walk into a church? I have no idea what I'm doing. I can't receive Holy Communion. And so in that sense as well, like there's gonna have to be some sort of onboarding, right? Yeah. No matter what you do. But I think an easier onboard to an experience of adoration than a full like, okay, here's all the seven, the things you need to know to follow along in mass. Yeah, I don't or know. a cup of coffee at ours. Yeah. Maybe well, like, I thought about that, but if I've had a Super Bowl commercial, I clearly can't have like come to the fun Catholic coffee shop. Come on and visit Dearborn County. <laughs> no, I mean, that's not going to work. No, but what, so, but what it's, would be, it's your billboard for the parish festivals. Yeah, yeah your... my, my, come to my parish festival. But what would be the yeah. like the equivalent of that? Like, what's the equivalent of come, come have a cup of coffee with me? Let me listen to your story. Let me listen to your journey. Belong with me. I don't know. I think adoration is a good choice, but yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So right. uh, by the way, this Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, the 15th perpetual adoration chapel is opening the archdiocese in Annapolis at St. Mary's in Aurora. So oh. uh, we're opening the second perpetual adoration chapel here in Dearborn County. So please pray for that. And if you happen to be in Aurora, uh, you can visit it. It's called, it's named uh, Lourdes after Our Lady of Lourdes uh, because of uh, our, the title of our parish is the Immaculate Conception. And Bernadette was told by the lady in white with a blue sash, I am the Immaculate Conception, and also in Thanksgiving for the healing of Father Hallowell. 
for titling the new Adoration yeah. Chapel words. So that's amazing. Fun. And then there's one at All Saints as well, right across from ours, Calvary Chapel. Praise God. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, Father, thank you for taking this time out of your day and being a part of the All Set for Sunday podcast. We've got backpacks coming soon for all of our... Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. We're going to make it happen. So it's a powerful idea. We Can I ask up you guys a, a question uh, real quick? I, I realize we're running out of time. Can I ask you guys a question real quick? Yeah, sure. sure. I mean, you guys ask questions every week. And so I just wanted to ask, uh, Jeff, what's your favorite church? My favorite, like, physical church? Be- most beautiful church. Are we giving any, con- like, in the United States? In, in, the, in the, world, the Archdiocese. In the Archdiocese of Indianapolis? Yeah. Sacred Heart Parish in Scott. Indianapolis. Scott, favorite church? Um, hang on a second. Hang on, hang on. I don't want to just say the same thing Jeff said. Can I can I give a like a caveat answer? I think that yeah. the the most beautiful modern church is St. Mary of the Knobs. Mm. Okay. Uh Jeff, who's your favorite preacher in the Archdiocese? Of favorite preacher in the Archdiocese. Do they have to be a diocesan priest? No. Uh, I gotta say Father Patrick Hyde. Okay. I Scott. You. Hands down. Uh, which which preaching that he does in mass the the like all, pre-reading ones all or of the them. all of them you like all of them okay <laughs> no i i do think that you're a phenomenal uh preacher i think that you have a a gift um and every time that we've gone to world youth day together and i get the opportunity to hear you preach at mass you know five six seven days in a row or whatever it might be uh it's always very very engaging so well, thank you. That's not why I didn't ask. I was asking more just because I, I'm, as you know, I'm an avid listener. Yes. Yeah, and, and, uh, and we've been putting priests like, on the spot. And you, you guys ask because you guys get into these cycles where you ask the same questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, would so, Jeff? Would you get in the air? Would you get in the? Would you uh, do space travel? Oh, I don't think I could. I'm I'm too afraid of heights. I didn't used God, to be, but as I've gotten older, hard yes, can't do it. Okay. Got it. Scott's opportunity That's to drive awesome. anything different, he would be in. Yeah, as long as long as the priest can come and celebrate mass with us yeah. on the moon. On the Amen. Control. Yeah, I, I agree. We need Father. We need what, what's your stuff. favorite church in the archdiocese? Uh, my sister of thirty nine years. I just did her wedding at Sacred Heart because it's one of my faves. It is. It's beautiful. So, yeah. Who's your favorite preacher? It's. it's I, I've actually thought about this because I've heard you guys asking. Yeah. Questions. I would have to do it in like categories. You didn't, um, you didn't let us give categories. The category is the yeah. best one. Yeah, the best preacher. <laughs> who you, who you like? Have Father heard. Dan Mayan is the best homilist for funerals for priests. He has like, like Father Peter Gallagher died. He he like knocked it out of the park. Mm. Um, I think that Father John Hollowell's preaching is like deeply profound and like simple in a really really beautiful way. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard Father Michael Kucher preach. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But, Huge fan. I like him just because of his energy and his joy is like yeah. contagious. So, that is, like, that is those would be the like, best description of Father like, Mike. What'd you say? I said that was the best description of Father Mike I've ever heard. That oh, his joy and energy joy. is contagious. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. I said on another podcast, was, I think, that my, my favorite, what, I have a strong devotion to the side chapel of the cathedral as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's very beautiful. My early priesthood had some powerful experiences there. 
So, okay. yeah. Right. Well, if that was some bonus content for everybody today. Yeah. So yeah. we'll put that on the bonus. You feel, free to, feel free to put us on the spot. I'll, I'll answer questions and hurt feelings. Yeah. All right, Bye. Father. Thank you. Peace. Okay. God bless you all. Peace. Recording stopped. Wait, Father. Are we good? Yeah. yeah. No, I was, I was going to tell oh, you. I'm still here. It's all right because I'm all set for. It's all right because I'm all set for. It's all right because I'm all set for Sunday.